0: Welcome to Coffee and Crypto, the only show that 9 out of 10 dentists don't recommend because I assume we make your teeth yellow or something like that. I'm your host, Jordan Freed, and I'm joined by my two very handsome co-hosts. Gentlemen, how are you? Introduce yourselves.
1: Good and Matt Harrison. Yeah.
2: Good, also good and yale Freed.
0: There's a lot of reasons to be good. Now I'm self-conscious about my teeth being yellow as a result of that joke at the top. But there's a lot of goodness to cover in this market because things are looking green. Bitcoin's looking green. And by green, I mean it's just up. I mean, it's not like moon up. It's not like all-time high up, but it's back above 20,000. We broke 21,000. We'll be talking about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but, fellas, I imagine you're feeling pretty good about a crypto rally, right? NFTs, Bitcoin, how you feeling?
2: Bullish.
1: Bullish. Absolutely bullish on this on this bear market. Bullish. <laughs> feeling bullish. bullish about the potential for this bear market to develop into a bull.
0: Bullish about the potential
2: for this bear market to develop.
1: Yep, exactly.
2: I'm going to go with I think this is going to be really long and we're not out of it or even close to out of it, but I'm glad everyone's having a good time. I'm all for people having a good time.
0: God, such a pessimist, Yale. God, so jaded. You're too young to be so negative.
2: I've seen bad things. (laughs) (laughs) Life
0: is just starting, my man uh today we're gonna be talking about dungeons and dragons axing their planned nft projects we're gonna be also talking about the former ftx uh president of u.s operations brett harrison and how he took to twitter to recount his experiences with sam bankman fried uh there's there's quite a bit of detail here so we'll be diving into that and then of course last but not least, uh, we are going to be covering what the hell is going on in this crypto market. Uh, is this rally here to stay? Is it, as Yale said, shortly lived? And uh, will it be a long, cold, hibernating bear market? We're going to get all of that, uh, into all of that. And, of course, we've got to talk about my Buffalo Bills here.
2: Go, Bills. <laughs> Go, Bills.
0: Go, Bills. <laughs> uh, we're coming off. You know, we. Uh, if I'm in a good mood on Monday, it's probably because the Bills won uh, the day before.
2: Oh yeah, we'd be drunk. We'd be we'd be drunk right now if they'd lost yesterday. If this would I don't even know if we would have done this podcast. <laughs>
0: uh, we may have canceled the podcast or we may or may not have filled these cups with bourbon. I mean, we may just do that anyway. Uh, but let's let's dive into it. Uh, Matt Take us into this Dungeons & Dragons story.
1: Yeah, as, you know, the resident gamer on this podcast, I feel like this totally falls under my purview. But it is is—it is a really interesting and, I think, thought-provoking and, honestly, frankly, an opportunity for discussion among us peers. Because um, it all centers around um, the way they've been changing and revamping uh, Wizards of the Coast is the publisher behind Gary Gygax's, you know genre defining i mean not even like genre defining like he created a genre you know without Dungeons and dragons like without that role playing we wouldn't have video games as we know them um they had they just did some changes to their open gaming license which allows third parties to use dungeons and dragons ip when they make their own content their own adventures their own tabletop games and they had uh initially planned like this like honestly Pretty harsh, pretty serious royalties-based uh, system where you could, you know, rent out the IP or, and pay royalties payments if you wanted to have an ongoing, potentially for-profit game in like whatever. Whoa,
0: wait, so so let me let, let me get this straight. Uh, the they've taken the concept behind open-source software and applied it to the board game Dungeons and Dragons. Am I
1: understanding this right? Absolutely, they're taxing your imagination. That was the plan.
0: So we could we could create um, a board game. Essentially called like coffee and crypto dragons using their intellectual property
1: coffee and crypts, I feel like would be the obvious one make it anti necromancers um, Kind of skeleton warriors type thing. That's exactly yeah right. That's off the top of the of the dome coffee and crypt interesting um, yeah. and and they can't sue us for that No, not not anymore. Not at all I mean also it's um, I mean, and you'll see that in like a lot of the statements from Wizards of the Coast like surrounding this move is that like it was an under monetized game and they're thinking they've got this new movie coming out this year, the, the Chris Pine Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, and they're like, Okay, there's definitely gotta be some money made. But Yo and I were just discussing this off the podcast that it's like it's one of those things that by its very nature is undermonetized. Like it's like how much are you gonna make off merchandise for like charades or Uno or poker? Like it's these are things that like once you have the pieces, they can charge you fifty dollars for the rule books at Barnes and Noble, but they they can't make you
2: keep buying line notebooks. I paper. mean, wasn't
0: Jumanji just all about selling a board game?
1: <laughs> it's it's a big Fair. board game just try well, to i Africa. think
2: i think what's i uh, was worth what's worth diving into here uh, from a nerd perspective is um i jordan i don't know about you i did not know anything about dungeons and dragons when we were kids well that's because you're not that
0: big of a nerd so i've actually played dungeons i've actually played dungeons and dragons uh we never played it as a family which was such a missed opportunity because we're we were 10 and I mean, 12 people in the house, including mom and dad, right? So, like, we could have done, I mean, that's like five on, you know, five, on five, six on six football. Like, there's so much we could have done. I'm disappointed we weren't a D&D family. Um, so, I'm not an expert by any means, but I have been invited to D&D parties. Uh, they're not bad, um, you know, uh, when mixed with al- alcohol and other recreational activities.
1: Snacks, pizza, booze, drugs. It's, it's, it's a long game.
2: I didn't fully understand. Yeah. I mean, Matt made a really good point with the it's an under-monetized game. It's like isn't there just, you just need to buy die, like rolling die, uh, right? And some people play
1: with like miniatures where they also try to jack up the price, but it's like you can get those from third party sellers. There are like, you don't need, I need an officially licensed gnome, like to play as a gnome. Like, like it's not yeah. like
2: Monopoly where you lose your set of Monopoly. You got to go buy a Monopoly. Yeah. You don't have to continually buy.
1: And then products. even though like the, the biggest thing that would be, you know, getting between like you and your play is like you need, you need like the dungeon master's guide and the, the rule books for everybody. I'm sure all of that stuff is available as PDFs online. Like there's, there's no way. 100%.
0: 100%. They,
1: they recognize that, like, okay, we've created this, like, very popular game, and I think it seemed like a weird resurgence. I mean, I was just, like, I was reading... No, no, no and, and
0: by the way, it's making a resurgence right now. I, I There's people in my neighborhood here in Puerto Rico that are playing D&D. Like, they, they are regularly playing D&D. The other one, it's not quite as nerdy, but it's still pretty, like, strategic as Catan, Settlers of Catan, but, like, I don't know that there's as much...
2: And Catan is also inherently monetized in a way Dungeons & Dragons isn't because you need to buy Catan expansion packs. That's what I think that's what the Dungeons & Dragons creative team was upset by. They were like, we want people to only be able to buy our official branded products. The entire fan base surrounding this uh, this change freaked out, correct? Like
1: yeah. The- oh Yeah, it was, I mean, and uh, that was, the other thing too is like, there's been a big, when I, you think about the resurgence of Dungeons & Dragons, I feel like it's actually, it's in opposition relational to like, the popularity of, of video games and gaming is that like, in the early editions of Dungeons and Dragons, it was really a game about math. It was like, crit, stats, here are my stats. I've got the spells to do this. And I think it's kind of shifted over into more of like, this narrative cooperative thing that video games today like m- many of them try too hard to have but like you're using your imagination more we have like countless playstation games where we can do numbers and crits like we don't we don't we're not, we don't want to do that we want to like make up an adventure with like four or five of us you yeah. know
2: so okay so now walk us through what happened here with the nft web 3 functionality kind of tagged onto this story so
1: that's what's so interesting to me is that so yeah they, they they changed the open gaming license and then you know the fans hated it they're like okay we we Part of this game is making it our own, like things like Pathfinder exists with this basically just Dungeons and Dragons, but not. Um, and the uh, the official statement from Wizard of the Coast was, "Uh, it's clear from the reaction that we rolled a one, which would be a very bad roll in Dungeons of Dragons, I believe. In fact, the worst roll you can make on a die." Um, gotta move, gotta, gotta, got it? Got yeah. Move, another slick, perfect little bit of nerd line. Um, but that uh, they had uh, yeah, essentially overturned that open gaming license, and they're like, "Okay, just have at it, nerds." But a part of that initial revamp was to put a push by Wizards of the Coast towards Web3-based gaming and Dungeons and Dragons NFT. Uh, a lot of the deal was um, around Gripper. I don't know. It's, it's like a G I R P R, and they they pulled that completely. So they're like, okay, we're not actually even because they were saying, you know, officially unofficially that these NFTs and Web3-style video game cooperations. Are strictly about making money which is not what the game is which about. is not right and yeah then,
2: and then they tag on so they tag onto this whole thing so now there is an ogl an open gaming license for everybody anybody can do a, a dungeons and dragons project on, on the internet anyone can sell their dungeons and dragons shit or attire or whatever else but it specifically prohibits any dungeons and dragons nfts or web 3 related functionality mm-hmm. just they just tag that in as like dungeons and dragons will never be a web 3 product um which is an interesting why
0: because their community, like, said mean things to
1: them? I do think it is kind of divisive. And, I mean, I, you know, again, I, I consider myself a gamer. I play a lot of video games. I have, you know, done my own diving into the, the Web3 gaming world. And the I haven't seen, I think the most popular one, I, I don't even know the name, but, like, it's ripping off like Hearthstone, that that Blizzard card game.
2: There are no good Web three There's, games at the moment.
1: At the, I don't want to say never. You know, y- yeah. Y-
0: you know what this reminds me of? Yale. Remember when we were sitting in, um, we were sitting in the lobby of, I forget which hotel in, um, in LA, and we were meeting with Faze Banks, and he told us when he first started talking about NFTs on his uh, streams that he would get all this hate and pushback. You remember that conversation?
2: I do. Yeah, that was really. We've had. We've heard that, by the way, from several we've worked with a lot of YouTubers and influencers and and the like, and a lot of them love the web three world. They're actually interested and spend time and are invested in it, but they will not talk about it in public or on their social media. Right,
0: because when they talk about it, they get all this pushback and flack. Those that have pushed through the hate and that have overcome it, because if you actually read the comments, and I've actually spent some time to look at like, what is FaZe referring to? And what are these comments? Guys, they're like the most idiotic uh, things out there, okay? So, like, on... And, and I I can't speak on this D&D one, so let's put the D&D one to the side. But if the critique is the same as what I've seen, like, the critique of other gamers, uh, you know, talking about NFTs, not even promoting them, just talking about them. Like, first, the biggest complaint is... Uh, It's bad for the environment, dude. It's like, it's not...
2: Which we've covered and debunked in Coffee and Crypto multiple times.
1: Exactly.
0: Look at the pages. Look at the research. It it, it, it boils my blood to the extent that it's like, if you're going to shut off an entire new technology because you think it's like melting the atmosphere or it's contributing to like a global warming problem it's i think you're crazy it's like oh we can't have blockchains because uh proof of work mining isn't as efficient as we want it to be even though the ethereum network just reduced its energy consumption to one-sixth of what it was before in the move from proof of work to proof of stake there's so much innovation going on to make these things less uh, and i don't want to get into it. we'll get onto this in like another show Maybe we'll do a whole show on like, you know, how to make crypto green. We've done a newsletter on that. Uh, But uh, it's it's I I can't imagine that there was a lot of intelligent critique of this other than maybe the community felt like this was a little cash grabby.
2: Um, I think part of it's cash grabby. I think part of it is. uh, the decentralized nature of a, uh, of a dungeon and dragons fan. Again, these people aren't watching the same TV show or playing the same game or anything. Yeah. They're all playing different games. And from it's, it, you know, it's such a, it, it's could be a vocal minority. It could be a million things. I think from the NFT gaming standpoint, and we've talked, Matt and I've talked a lot about this, you can't reverse engineer a successful product when you know your monetization strategy first. It's like going into a movie and being like product placement. We know we're going to do product placement and then we're going to write a movie and figure it out. People have tried it. It usually doesn't go so well. When you go the other way and you've got a really clever idea and then you say also, you know what would be amazing is if I make three games and you can use the tools you get in one game in one of those other games the way nft gaming begins is when really really cool and interesting and talented game developers actually commit and buy into the tech
0: like like dungeons and dragons
2: (laughs) like dungeons like nba top shot did like a bunch of but like you can point to the examples of people who've figured out this digital collectible thing let's even take away the word NFT. agreed it by the way
0: that actually is because of just distribution if you have a baked in We talked about this in previous shows. Like that's that's you know I'm 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 tipping my hat to RuneScape up here, which is like yeah we used to play that when we were kids, but it's you know that game has distribution. If you get into if if the folks behind RuneScape uh, RuneScape Jagex Limited or the makers of like World of Warcraft or uh, you know any of these Final Fantasy style MMORPG games get into the space, they have existing users. A lot of those users. Invest a massive amount of their time into the games themselves and the ability to take all of these in-game assets or the money you've made in-game out of the game. That's the kind of shit we used to get in trouble for as kids for like selling RuneScape gold points on eBay or, you know, trying to stand up our own RuneScape how-to guides. They didn't want you doing that. They didn't want that sort of uh, happening outside of the context of the game. NFT gaming encourages, it in like just further enhances for me the player experience of i got a really rare item uh why wouldn't you allow your players to maybe take that outside the context of the game and put it on you know an nft profile somewhere to brag that they've got that rare item in your game it just uh it, it so i i don't understand this move i'm gonna just i'm gonna call it out i i i also think that they'll probably do a 180 on this at some point in the future because nfts are too new Most people in the world don't understand what they are or how they're going to be used. We ourselves don't fully understand fully how they're going to be used. We have a lot of ideas on how they're going to be used. We have an idea that it's going to be a powerful technology, but we haven't fully seen all the use cases come out. So we're still ourselves, uh, you know, coming up, conceptualizing all of these amazing use cases for it. Um, I, 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 I can't see them. I can't see them sticking with this positioning of we rolled a one.
1: Well, I, I think that like, uh, you know, within reason, and I think again, it's like gamers, you know, whatever, like an edge lord community, it's also like, it's a very sensitive community and they've been burned so many times before. And I think kind of what yo was saying about like when monetization comes first, because even regardless of the kind of functionality you're talking about, like it's hard to divorce those concepts of like NFT, not even pay to win, but like pay to enter. You know what I mean? It's like what I think that, you know, video games or, yeah, or even Dungeons and Dragons, you focus first on creating like a compelling, engaging, ultimately addicting game. And then hours and hours of gameplay down the road, you're like, hey, I know you've sunk days of your life into this, I know you want that flame armor set. If you pay two, three dollars American, you can have that in-game. And people will buy that. Like, you know, it's worked, like you said, like Blizzard, World of Warcraft, RuneScape, all the MMOs. How many
0: fuckers are out there right now buying in-game Madden money to like level up their accounts? I play them all the time. It's infuriating. I've taken the Madden upgrade once, okay? I bought some of that Madden cash just to really kick Yale's ass consistently when I play him in Madden mobile.
2: I'm a natural born, you know? I haven't I spent a dollar on that No doping.
0: Everybody buys at some point the in-game upgrade, the in-game purchase. Otherwise, Apple wouldn't be in business. You think they're making money selling fucking iPhones? No, they're making money with all those uh, taking 30% of all the transactions through the iTunes store.
2: The other problem with the NFT approach at the moment is it is so transparently we, the creators of the game, are looking for ways to make money. When we know as people who work in the industry and, and, and see the future for this stuff, the best way to use this tech is... It's not for us to make money. It's for everyone involved to get a little more from this, whether that be money or, or or cool tools or whatever else. The best way to do an NFT drop in a game would be for people to not know it's an NFT at first, and then they have an item, and then they can actually profit in US dollars off of that having that item.
0: That, that, that's the point I'm trying to go to, right? Like, if you, in RuneScape, if you get the rare shield or the rare armor or like the rare sword or something, it's not an NFT. It's an item that you have in the game. You can't do anything with it outside of the game. The NFT enables it to become tradable. Let's say I play RuneScape and World of Warcraft, and I want to trade my RuneScape sword for a really dope sword in World of Warcraft. Like, that's that's possible. Or just sell it and make some money and not be a complete waste of life whose parents are just yelling at them because they're spending eight hours a day playing RuneScape you know we have we have a brother who got yelled at a lot for playing runescape but like if you can monetize your skill in these games that's what's going to become valuable, and I believe play to earn isn't going to look like what we call play to earn today and what people are looking at. it. I think it's going to be people who are diehards in these MMOs who get really good at it and kick everyone else's ass, and instead of just monetizing on a Twitch streaming platform or becoming part of like FaZe Clan, they can take the assets and flip them. It's like you go 1v1 in the wildy and you kill someone and you pick up all their shit and then you go dump it on a secondary market like Binance for digital items, right? Maybe maybe NFT.com is doing that in the future, right? And you're selling that shit and you're making money and you're taking the money you made from it. You're like, hey, mom. I made like 10 grand this month killing people virtually in RuneScape and selling all that rare shit that I made out, you know,
1: going 1v1. I think um did RuneScape have an auction house? I was I was wondering about that cuz World of Warcraft had an in-game auction house yeah, which Warcraft- created its own like small, you know, fantasy economy. There
2: were in- yeah, we had a fantasy economy in the game, but there was no um there was no USD version there's no way to ever make a dollar by the way
0: there was a there was a fantasy economy in runescape too the issue was there was no free floating exchange rate for runescape goal points to dollars right that was the whole hang up then came second life right second life was like oh we'll go one step further we have linden dollars we'll just sell you the linden dollars by the way i just saw a ridiculous number they still make like 30 to 50 million dollars a year selling linden dollars i didn't even know people still played second life but that's beside the point The the it was illegal to create a uh, secondary market around the items. So like you had a bank account in RuneScape, you had all these items you could hold them, but there's only so much things you could hold at once. So you'd go to your bank and you deposit the items, right? So you deposit the gold, you deposit the wood, you deposit the iron ore, all the materials. Uh, You just couldn't sell it. And my point is, uh, that was you know that was Web two. Web three is going to be these encouraged i think you know game game makers won't look at nfts as uh, a way that they're getting cut out of the transactions i think runescape got upset at us for selling the runescape gold points on ebay i think they're going to be like shit we can make money on this too right nfts have royalties a lot of them at least um why don't we just make 2.5 percent to 5 percent every single time someone sells one of our items online and we're in on it too uh, we're making we're making money we're sitting pretty
1: Uh, I've got two kind of, like, contrasting points because when we talk about, like, that utilization outside of the game, I mean, something that World of Warcraft spawned, I don't know if RuneScape spawned this as well, but that uh, Chinese gold farmers, I don't know if that's almost, like, you know, borderline xenophobic, but they all wore, when you consider the Chinese economy and the availability, you know, really low. Why do they
0: got to be Chinese, dude? There's Filipinos doing that. There's Thai people doing that.
1: I think the, the the well-known term was Chinese gold farmers. And again, this was, you know, 2008, 2009. We spoke differently then. Um, but that the uh, time of the Beijing Olympics, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were,
0: they were. You didn't get canceled for saying things, things like Chinese gold farm.
1: The concept that, you know, you, you couldn't get a job in China that would pay better than sitting on your computer for 12 hours a day Creating gold in an American video game and then selling it to Americans who are like too lazy to even enjoy what's
2: purportedly their leisure. Jordan's upset activity. about the Chinese gold farmer thing because his gold farmer was our brother Jared. Who was- oh really? Did he? Pay-
0: <laughs> oh yeah. So so I didn't know any uh, people in China um, and I couldn't go and I wasn't physically in China. So I just used our little brother Jared, who, by the way, would make. And by the way, I didn't use it. Was not slave <laughs> labor? What I did was this is how they. This is starting to sound really bad because I know Jared's gonna listen to this. So I wanna I wanna be clear. I did cut Jared in on the profits, okay? It was a profit share. But listen, it was Jared was so good in this game. I, he was definitely top one percent of all players globally in this game. He
2: was maxed out. He was the max level one twenty six.
0: Yeah, he, he, was, he was maxed out level, he, he had a clan, like he had a clan of people that he would go to, he would never go to the Wildy on his own, he would always roll deep with like five or six other guys, they would just show up and slaughter everybody, and I'd be like, Jared, how much did you take home today, and he'd be like, six or seven million, so this happened really organically, I just went to eBay, and I'm like, Okay, what is 1 million RuneScape Gold Points going for? I set up an auction. Market price was like $35. So we would start selling them in bulk for like as low as 20 We weren't the Chinese uh, gold farmers, as you would say. We were Buffalo, New York gold farmers. Uh, but we were, we were doing well, and we had like a computer lab up in the house. I think my favorite point – yeah, I don't know if you remember this. Matt, we actually – The Chinese gold farms got really good at writing scripts. They'd write these scripts that would click the mouse for them. So we would actually go to school and here's what we would do. We'd level up the players by the script would say, it would click on the tree. We knew how to like uh, teach it what the color code of the tree was. So it like know how to click on the brown thing, click on the brown thing, cut down the tree, take the tree, run to the bank, right? And then you'd click the color of the bank and you deposit in the bank, come back, cut down the tree. And it would just do this all day long. And you would just level up at that particular skill of like tree cutting and you get all the wood. Um, and then we'd sell, you know, you you'd find ways to like sell the wood or make materials from the wood and then
2: Yeah, you just go you go to the town store you sell your wood your family's like a short story from the atlantic It's like not like it's like that
1: kind of weird npr dysfunction yeah. Like that's really it's a you no, know, but I had a boy that also did a mouse clicker because he couldn't deal with like the eight hours at school that he couldn't play world of warcraft And it would just like move him around and fight low-level enemies all day and he'd come back and he'd have gone up like 10 15 20 levels um, it would. I mean, I, you wonder too, with like you know, the, if we further Web3 decentralization, when you know we can monetize video games that way, it's like, then are, is it just become American gold farmers? Do we create like a new economy where people don't have to go to yeah. offices, they can just go to like you know Middle Earth or wherever Elden Ring takes place I'm and exactly. just do do their work with a sword, the way I've been dreaming of since I was eight years old. Americans
2: yeah. would fucking love that if you could. I mean, what is it? Every uh, Jordan, the I remember the report from a couple of years back? It was a. Uh, The most desired job amongst people under the age of 18 was YouTuber. Yeah. Um, or, and then now it's probably TikTok or influencer. God,
0: how is that how that has changed, right? It was not YouTuber when I was growing up. It was it was it was probably like MTV star or something. But uh, I I I don't want to go off on this one tangent, but I do just want to make this other point while we're on the gaming topic, and we, we could probably do a whole episode on this. We definitely have to do an AI episode because the 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 the, the intersection, um I, I just had done this post on LinkedIn about like where what some of the use cases for AI and crypto are. And I think they're just tremendous but as it applies to gaming uh the the NPCs of the world have you guys heard the term NPC like dude you're being you'd bro you're being so NPC right now uh I actually find that to be so offensive because it's like you are so in the matrix being like a Mr. Anderson right now and you're not a free thinker you're not neo uh you're not you're not part of the rebellion
2: you're offended by the term NPC
0: yeah no you, dude, it's like, seriously, yeah, like, like, it's an insult now. It's like, dude, you are, you are being NPC. You're, you're an NPC. You're not being NPC. You're
2: such a fucking NPC. I think it's the most a- NPC thing to choose to.
1: Well, I was, my sister has a really good NPC take that when she was explaining, she doesn't get, I get social anxiety when I smoke weed and I like, I'm afraid to interact with the person at Chipotle. And she explained to me, like, albeit like a little psychopathically, that when she smokes weed and goes out into the real world, she thinks of every person who isn't a friend or family as an NPC that has only a limited range of dialogue options and unfortunately she's completely correct like if you go to mcdonald's he's going to be like is that for here to go did you want a medium shake he's not going to be like your dad's mad at you right now he's only going to say like three or four pre-programmed options he is an
0: npc he has a list of possible responses to every interaction that you come but you're making my point which is that i think that npcs thanks to ai are going to get so much more exciting like you could probably spend all day just sitting in runescape talking to the npcs in runescape about well what are, what, are, what are your thoughts on this subject what's mm-hmm. your thoughts on the evolution of the trees in runescape and how they've changed over time and you can have like a three hour long conversation with a non-player character think about the limitations of an npc in a game today but uh, i don't no, know if you guys have been seeing there npcs I,
2: I, no but even when you're in a game yeah, everyone is like click 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 you know like you're uh, trying to get yeah. past the npcs depends on the game
1: yeah but i mean it's like they're, they're, you're just trying to get your side quest trying to get your loot trying to move i'm trying on. to kill shit i don't want to talk to I them don't know unless they're like i don't know particularly you know endearing or, or sexy if they yeah. if they're weirdly sexy i'll talk That's to okay. them until i'm exhausted
0: i don't know what you guys are doing but i've always been fascinated by the npcs i always want to know what they're doing what are they programmed to do they've been so limited we're going to see such dope npcs the future. Just like running out there shit-talking, throwing... Have
2: you you considered that you're so interested in NPCs because... You are one. Maybe you are one. Maybe you actually
1: <laughs> understand that you have pre-programmed dialogue options. You know
0: you what know, you sounded
2: like when you said that? Takes one to know one, man. I, I know exactly, and I knew you were going to say that because it was a pre-programmed dialogue option. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pre-programmed dialogue option.
0: <laughs> on that note, we're going to move on from this particular story. Uh, Yale, speaking of Yale over here. Yeah, let's move on to because we could talk about NPCs all day long But you know what a really great programmable story here is is for you to walk us through What the hell is going on with Brett Harrison who is for those that don't know the former FTX president US president who? Conveniently resigned just a few short months prior to the whole thing going Right just like disappeared uh, and now he's taken a Twitter. What's going on, Yale?
2: This story is fun for a number of reasons. The main reason and the reason why we chose it is um, we choose any story that pits uh, Harrison's versus Freed's in the public eye.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, One Harrison versus two Freed's, <laughs> specifically.
2: Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. Wait, wait, Matt, are you—I
1: didn't even realize that until right now. Matt, are you related to— uh, yeah, I- Quick, no relation when you were introing this story. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, but uh, no, I just—we are like— I was like, well, this is just eerie, frankly. Matt
2: um, Brett Harrison uh, versus Sam Bankman Freed. Matt Harrison versus uh, Jordan and I, uh, the mm-hmm. Freeds of the show. Um, no relation on on either side, but too fun to not to not pick. Yeah. Okay, so this story to walk us through this. Um, this this all begins with a Twitter thread uh, that was posted, I believe, this weekend. Um, it's got to be the most unhinged Twitter thread I've seen <laughs> in a while. <laughs> it's forty nine tweets. In a single thread, which, fu- first of all, at that point, write a fucking Medium post. Start a blog like Sam. I yeah, ca- write,
0: write, write a blog post and just, like, drop the link, right? Like, why do a 49-tweet thread?
2: A 49-tweet thread where, where he limited the amount of people who—he limited who can reply to it also, I believe. So only so only people who follow him can reply to it, which nobody did. Um, anyway, great stuff. Uh, we saw this everywhere, but basically, he describes his entire relationship with Sam Bankman-Fried, and he does so in— like an almost romantic novel kind of way like a very Nicholas Sparksy I'm gonna I'm gonna read through some of these I've yeah, I've I have do. some I have some selections of the 49 tweet thread um I've got here's here's a tweet 4 in
0: the but oh, but before but let's let's start at the top just so everyone has the context on how the thread starts right cuz like let's contextualize the thread is about many have asked the question about my time at FTX US and why I left when I did right like everybody wants to fucking know let's just get to the point Did you know something and is the reason you left FTX US because you knew something? That's what the forty nine tweet thread is. Okay, yeah. And
2: essentially yeah, so but but knowing that the entire thread is actually not about that. The entire thread ends with him basically saying, and I'm mad at all the VCs who won't invest with me because I was at FTX. Fuck you guys, you're not very nice. Um, that's how the whole thing ends, which is great and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> how did you know How
0: did you know his tone?
2: Because I think you just did it so I think I nailed it. I actually think I... You get the vibe. You, 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 I'll read some of these. You're going to get it. You're going to know exactly what this guy uh, sounds when like. When
1: you do this segment on the podcast, can you throw in some like weird, horny, romantic music when you read sure, these? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, so right. so guys,
0: by, by the way, uh, I know I was supposed to prep for this. I did not read this thread so i'm going to be hearing these for the first time i just want to throw that
2: out there actually probably better reacting in real time it's much better to hear these raw uh (laughs) they're kind (laughs) of disturbing all right tweet four of 49. my relationship with sam Bankman-Fried and his deputies had reached a point of total deterioration after months of disputes over management practices at ftx tweet nine of 49. beyond that he seemed like a sensitive and intellectually curious person who cared about animals and that endeared him to me
1: Wait a second. You want, you want to switch off? We'll take. We'll do a couple.
0: Wait a second. Wait a second. Is he still talking about Sam?
1: Yeah, this is all Sam, dude. This is like his. It's a. It's it's it's, it's like one third manifesto, two thirds love letter. Um. Okay. So um. Yeah. It's uh Wait! 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 wait. So he goes, he goes from
0: my, my relationship hit total deterioration, but then he jumps literally five tweets later down to beyond that. He seemed like a sensitive and intellectually curious person who cared about animals and that endeared him to me. okay. That's too good. Keep going.
1: Favorite one is actually coming later, it's very soon. Um, So 11 11 out of 49, my first few months at FTX US were wonderful. I worked largely independently of Sam to grow a US-based team and foster a professional environment prepared for regulated businesses, 1449. But from the start, I noticed that while Sam was rarely engaged on the US business, decisions impacting the US would come without warning from the Bahamas. Ooh, we all know where the story ends, so that's exciting. Um, 1549, six months later into my time at the company, Pronounced cracks began to form my own relationship with Sam, and then I began advocating strongly for establishing separation and independence from the executive, legal, and developer teams of FTX US. and Sam disagreed. And this is my wow. favorite. I saw in that early conflict his total insecurity and intransigence—never N- seen that in my life—when um, yeah. yeah. his decisions were questioned, his spitefulness, and the volatility of his temperament, I realized— He wasn't who i remembered it's
2: so beautiful wait wait but who 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 was
0: he trying to remember the one that uh that he was endeared by that like the animals yeah that
1: guy guy, the animal sam yeah yeah. the 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 vegan altruist that he was at the start of the story before his
2: fall from grace um yeah yeah i'll take this tweet 21 of 49. standing up to an insecure prideful manager is hard under any circumstance But it's nearly impossible when every day every major voice of culture and commerce deafens you with a narrative that implies if you disagree with your manager, you clearly must be wrong. Sam was uncomfortable. This is 26 to 49. Sam was uncomfortable with conflict. He responded at times with dysregulated... Am I even saying that?
1: There are some misspellings here because that should be D-I-S. Yeah, exactly.
2: Disregulated, spelled strangely. Disregulated hostility at times with gaslighting and manipulation, but ultimately chose to isolate me from communication on key decision making. 27 to 49. It felt terrible. I sought out information about decisions that had been made behind my back, desperate but trying hard not to show it. To be honest, it's written
0: as if he's trying to add on to someone's script for the movie, right? It's like it felt te- like that's just so punchy. It felt terrible, desperate, yeah. but trying hard not to show it.
1: He's like, this is this is Sam's character arc. And, he, and and position me, Brett Harrison, as the narrator. I will be the audience proxy for the rise and fall of this inhuman, he's, incomprehensible young man.
2: Yeah. It's really weird because like I, we'll get it. Here, let's read through some of this because there's there's a couple of great ones still left that I want to yeah. hit. But then uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's clear from what has been
1: made public that the scheme was held closely by Sam and his inner circle at FTX.com and Alameda, which I was not a part of, nor were other executives at FTX US. That one's just informational. Um, ancient for- this is- I forget do it. We, I forgot we, about this one. 40 of 49 is. Wait, old timer. Which number are we on? This, yeah. 40 out of 49 is we're about to get Old Testament. Um, ancient forms of greed and dishonesty destroy trust and corrupt progress. The scale of this particular instance of this lesson is difficult to comprehend, but far from exceptional in the 12 years of my professional experience in finance. It's a strange dissonance.
2: What does that mean? Uh, what? Yeah. What?
1: I mean, can't greed and dishonesty still be in their current form? Like, why does it have to be the original greed and dishonesty? I decisive? don't. Yeah, it has to be like Aramaic form. sin. You know what I mean? It's a. Uh... Why
0: is this? Yeah, exactly. Why can't it just be like uh like modern madoff style greed and dishonesty like why does he
1: gotta go back
2: to the egyptians on this one (laughs) this is moses
1: when greed lieth down with dishonesty upon whence my straw mattress
2: Uh, all right so then here here in tweets 41 uh out of uh, 49 and 42 out of 49 we finally learn what his actual beef is ready after i left ftx us and up until november nearly every conversation i had with a venture capitalist about my new company Ever, eventually came around to the same kind of question is FTX investing is Sam okay with you doing this Do you mind if we confirm with him? <laughs> Which you know is a normal thing for a VC to ask after you are the president of a major Clearly he's upset because
0: Sam's like this gatekeeper guy. Did you leave on good terms? Were you fired because Sam's still kingmaker in crypto at this point right pre FTX collapse that makes a lot of sense Everybody wanted to know if FTX was coming into a deal
2: mm. and then immediately after we find out that in fact No FTX wasn't coming into the deal they weren't interested in Brad Harrison, and uh, and to sum it all up, after that, many conversations eventually came around to the same kind of apology. We know you weren't involved in what Sam and others did. Are they? We sure they were saying that? I'm not sure that. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. But we can take we can't take on the PR risk of associating ourselves with FTX, no matter how capable you are or compelling your idea is. I'm sure that's exactly.
1: I love putting that when you just put your your own thoughts in quotes. And it's just like this <laughs> no matter exactly how capable
2: how and out. amazing and talented and beautiful and handsome you are, <laughs> and the best CEO in the world that you would be, we can't do. Unfortunately,
1: you're just too handsome and beautiful and
2: perfect for just, to continue at FBS. We is, just can't. Yeah, it's bad. We're gonna PR. step down. And if you yeah. ever
1: speak about this, we're going to personally send Sam yeah. Bangman Freed to kill you. I hate.
2: I hate that. I hate that Harrison versus Freed is happening Harrison to all Harrison versus Freed versus Ferrari. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I hate that it's happening <laughs> to all of us here. But I do want to say, like, it takes a really special kind of annoying person for me to decide with Sam Bangman Freed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So first, if you're curious uh, where to find the thread, uh, you can find Brett on Twitter under Brett Harrison 88 I'm going to assume 88 is either anti-Semitic um, for Heil Hitler. Um, H is the—no, uh, 888 is Heil Hitler. It is. It is. I'm especially sensitive to it in the days of Kanye, right? But, but if he's not an anti-Semite— then it's likely his birth year, which is probably more likely, which would make him about 34 years old. So I want everybody to give their thoughts. Yale, I want you to give your thoughts on the thread. Matt, I want you to give your thoughts on your thread. I'm gonna hold mine until you guys do that. But um, and I'll give mine, but mine are not gonna be as comprehensive as yours because again, I've I literally just heard these tweets for the first time as these guys were reading them, and I've not read the entire thread in its entirety. But I've I formed an opinion. Yale, uh, why don't you start us off?
2: Yeah. Look. Um I kind of feel for him to some degree. I get that he's in a really shitty situation. And he's trying to look out for his next business move. I, this is so tone deaf and like it's 49 tweets where you're blaming Sam for gaslighting. The dude, the dude is going to jail for a really long time. It's okay to just tweet. I knew nothing about this. This was happening at FTX Bahamas. I was at FTX US. I'm trying to start a company right now and I'm getting associated with a lot of the FTX flack. You know what? I wasn't involved. I had a bad experience there. Didn't like Sam. That's it. That's literally all he had to say was come out and be like, "I condemn the actions of of the of the fraudulent criminals of which I am not one of." And everybody would have believed him because there's no proof that there's any fraud at FTX US. It would have been over. That would have been it. People would have moved on. I'm sure he's got to deal with his own shit. I'm sure there's people who are friends with him who don't like him anymore or whatnot, and that sucks. Um, I, I, this is this is wild to me. I was like, and also the funny part is. It just, nobody cares about him in this, in like a news standpoint. This is like story 10 on most, on most of the crypto sites. I don't even, it made it into our espresso shots, slow news day. Um, (laughs) We're we're talking about it because it's fascinating, but I just, it feels really tone deaf
1: yeah i don't know i'm kind of with yale here he seems kind of like a bitch, straight up and you know i would have loved to side with harrison just based on the namesake alone but i even looked at him, i was like is this guy in his 60s is he 30 is he 19 he's got like strong like i'd call it long goblin energy or he looks like a stretched out little creature he's got he's got like no hair up top. he's like very beaky it's a very strange looking dude um but yeah i just it's like again it's very weird that you would side because i also side with with spf here i'm like not really a relatable guy but the thing that really kind of annoys me the most about this is like this this tone of like they didn't want me to speak out nobody was ready for this and i'm like no one is threatening you dude like none of these people again like no one no one in this is there's there's no like organized crime black hand of sam bankman freed going out it's like the only guy who you're calling out is currently, you know,
2: playing League of Legends under house arrest,
1: headed to, headed to jail, almost yeah. definitely. And it's like, oh wow, the the courage to speak out that, that, that a younger and, and guy, a company gaslit you,
2: and to do it on January 16th is kind of pissing me off. Ten days after. Yeah, but but two months. <laughs> two thing. months after <laughs> ten days after <laughs> January. Yes, it's J. No, it it two months after, uh, two months after the collapse of this. Giant. Uh, two months after the collapse of the company however uh, six months seven months after he left the company mm-hmm. like he yeah, wasn't at the company during the collapse that alone would have been enough for him to move on in life I this this felt it,
1: yeah it's also yeah bad timing it's like maybe yeah. just like a little when this is a little more you know
0: so again not having read the entire thread um I, I've got to agree this is uh not a good look for Brett should have had a PR person look at this The guy doesn't tweet a whole lot and listen we know that Sam kept an uber-intellectual, weird Dungeons & Dragon playing crowd, right? I mean, this guy was at Jane Street City Securities, I'm assuming has a quant trading background like Sam.
2: Either, yeah, Jane Street. This is a Jane Street guy, yeah. Uh,
0: you know, t- 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 take that for what it is. This thread could have been six tweets. Could have been. Uh, I had no idea what was coming. Uh, I'm not associated with FTX. It's a shame that me, along with other founders, are affected by this. But like, dude, your sob story of you were at FTX US, like you were part of the executive team of this entire uh, organization. Uh, I, I, it's. It's. I agree. I agree that it's. 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 It's tone deaf at this particular. The, uh, that tweet nine just got me, man.
2: <laughs> I, I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling Twitter now. To like I, I was really wasn't following this story as a, uh, this this piece of it that closely the general response is like a lot of people being like man he's poning sbf to- total takedown it's like i do no, the government did that." the government it's took like down sbf sbf took down disgruntled himself.
1: ex-employee yeah exactly just go on glass door and write this you I fucking know. dork
2: <laughs> also just like accusing sbf of gaslighting and being like a mean boss is like so beside the point of right. the crime for all those considering
0: working for sam bankman freed in the future uh be aware of gaslighting tendencies and all
2: of that right but anyway i'm happy that uh oh, to, to quote that uh that meme that always goes around like i'm happy that happened to you or sorry that that happened sorry too long not reading the whole thing
0: my message from this thread is don't trust people who pretend to care deeply about animals like i i'm immediately jaded and now skeptical of all vegans because now i believe that they are ineffective altruists and uh have ulterior motives that's that's my conclusion
1: do you see the people who are the most Uh, rabid about um, word choice um, like pit bulls or saving the bald eagle are people that could not give less of two shits about like human rights or like you know actual like human catastrophes they're like oh but our precious dogs they never hurt anyone it's like that is a dog I will eat it in the apocalypse like that's not a person if
0: push came to shove we would all eat a dog to survive
1: I'm eating rats like day two that's just like not not even starving but like peckish (laughs) Well, the
0: other thing too is like the dog will eat you. On- no, 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 yeah. Answer the question. Would you also eat a rat on day two? Not starving, but also heckish. No, heckish. I, heckish.
2: I, no, I, I, I think realistically, I'd probably, I'd probably pick somewhere near water and just start eating fish a lot. I think that's probably. That would, I mean, obviously, I'd probably be doing
1: that too. Yeah. Not to.
0: The, the, the fish will be the first thing contaminated, right?
2: Uh, yes. Depends on the crisis. You're right. I, because like. If it's if fish and like dogs and all that kind of stuff are like all contaminated like I got to find a bunch of humans I don't like that much. I'm
1: eating people afternoon of the third day. <laughs> <laughs> That's again and and not even dead. Just, not even
2: hungry. Yeah,
1: not, again, not even hungry. Just just eating cuz I'm bored. Just the
2: power <laughs> <laughs> Board snacking,
1: yeah. Yeah, you're just kind of aimlessly grazing. If the end,
0: if, if the end of time comes though, and and unfortunately, like I have thought about this probably way more than I should, but like if if it is if it is like that level of like okay, crap, like we got to pick up arms, like. Effective altruists and like vegans are the last people you would want around you, right? You would want big burly dudes with massive arsenals of guns that like weren't taking their fucking booster shots that like are out there ready to shoot anything that moves. Like those are the guys you're going to want to hunker down with.
2: Right, of course. I also think uh, like this this is a slightly mean rapper giving to like everyone who is altruistic in life. Vegans were the problem we have
1: <laughs> If you're prioritizing animals over humans, it's like you just... right,
0: listen and, and, and I'll and I'll make an exception Matt I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I, I will make an exception for someone who's like I'll do a 30-day Like no meat cleanse. It's just tried it out. I, I've done that. Okay, and I know other people have done that I have never felt more low energy and uh, unsatiated by like the unsatisfied by the food that i am eating than when i went like vegan for 30 days i didn't go vegan i'd like try to just i was eating more like veggies cows were meant to eat a lot of vegetables cow is fucking delicious it's just so delicious and i was meant to eat it and that's okay for other people that don't want to eat it i know in india cow is god and uh they don't they don't want to eat the cow but they eat chickens and chicken is also freaking delicious i eat chicken every single day i don't think there's been a day of my life in the last couple
1: this, this episode is called cow is gone <laughs> but there's like, i have a couple ideas for this one this could be, and also we should have some real fun with the backgrounds on this app oh yeah, yeah. what should we put in matt's background oh <laughs> i know first can i get some kind of like fantasy scape like some kind of castle looking thing for the gaming talk and then make my background Brett Harrison sitting in the chair, the one I put in the dock, where he looks like an absolute that's long goblin. Excellent. <laughs> and then back to maybe some kind of post-apocalyptic hellscape again, like ruined buildings or something. And then and then we can kind of like that's is that too much work to be able to do? No, that's fine. Yeah, I, I know you're good. Yeah, as-
0: that's that's a pretty heavy lift on the uh, on the editing side of this, pretty pretty demanding yeah. of Yale. He
1: likes it. He yeah. li- he actually secretly likes it.
0: Oh, he likes when he, he likes when you talk to him
1: like that. Wow. Yeah, he's like a maid that loves cleaning. <laughs> Like, I was like, here, I made a mess.
2: Help me.
0: <laughs> muchas, muchas gracias, Senor Harrison.
2: <laughs> uh, no, but Brett, like, look, we're, we are. I'm sorry that you had a bad boss. Um, it's just that that is not the worst thing Sam Bankman-Fried has done this week. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're uh, we're moving on.
0: Let's let's keep this show moving. I want to talk about. The bowl, the mini the mini bowl amid the bears, right? The bulls have largely been away. The bears are here to play. That sounded good.
1: Nice. Uh, and no notes. We, <laughs>
0: and we've got uh, – yeah, make sure you get that out in subtitles, right? Uh, no. Uh, in case it wasn't clear for – all of you listening, Yale is the one editing the show. So if you don't like the cuts, take it out on him. But seriously guys, I want to get back to this. I'm going to I'm going to keep us on track because my role here is the one to keep us on track. There's been 16,000, oh, that's nice. 16,690 uh, buyers of NFTs in the past 24 hours as reported by nftgo.com uh, go or I'm sorry, not .com.io. Go check that out. Uh, we are also seeing a pretty, a pretty sizable rally in Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin's up, uh, to be exact, twenty-three and a half percent in the past seven days. Ethereum is up twenty percent in the past seven days. Altcoins, though, have been rallying even more so. Mana, the native currency for the uh, online uh, role-playing game Decentraland, is up seventy-five percent in the last, uh, in the last week. We also are seeing uh, several several other projects with massive rallies. Helium, which is the IoT coin, is up 57%. In the past week, Solana having a really sustainable rally as well, over 44%. Uh, but again, that's not all. A lot of the alts are just rallying. If I look at the, there's over 100 coins uh, globally right now that have rallied more than uh, about, 7% in the past week. So that's wild to note, okay? What we what we are seeing now is, uh, even since we've started this recording, Bitcoin is up uh, now uh, over 1%. Uh, Bitcoin is now back above 21,000, trading now about around 21,300 on average, depending on where you're looking at the price. Guys, this is this is not what people expected but it's a it's what I would call right now a relief rally. Uh, there's been so much shit going on in the market the past six, seven, nine months not even since April. I remember April being in New York during the collapse of Luna. We were having a uh, we're having an offsite for NFT.com. We had uh, we had our product team, our engineering team. We're all together. I remember getting to New York, and I was actually sitting with someone on our engineering team. It was like, dude, if you have anything, and credit to this guy, I don't want to say his name because. Um, I want to get his permission before I do it on the podcast, but someone on our engineering team saved me millions of dollars. Uh, and the way he did that was by telling me, true story, uh, 48 hours before UST de to the dollar, it was one-to-one to, one to the dollar, and then uh, wiped out literally over the next uh, two days, a 48-hour period, $20 billion just in that stablecoin, and then the entire Luna ecosystem at the same time basically went to zero. Um on the way to New York on a Sunday, we were flying to New York on a Sunday afternoon. He was like, dude, get rid of all of your UST. Now, I liked UST because I was earning 20% in Anchor Protocol. I was in the Anchor, I was earning 20%. It was great. It was covering all my bills. I was like, you know, and I would draw it out. I wasn't being dumb. Like, as I would take the interest out, and it was like, it was great. Could pay for flights with it. Could pay, you know, take my wife out to a nice dinner at McDonald's um, because that's where we like to eat out. They got some great, uh, you know, really affordable foods. And uh, the <laughs> we we I, I sold everything. I sold all of the UST. Uh, I got it out uh, at about 98 cents, so I lost a little, but the amount I had made on the interest had had, had had made so much. So many people didn't do that. So many people didn't have a friend like I had that was on the engineering team of our company who saw the early signs, was like, dude, this thing is gonna print an unlimited amount of Luna, it's gonna depeg. it's gonna go to zero, they're not gonna be able to fight it off, and he freaked me out. I sold everything um, uh, from, from, from everything I had in the Luna ecosystem, so uh, I saved that. But then you, we go from Luna, And I would have thought at the time of the Luna collapse that Luna would have been like that would have been it. That's about as much as I could handle at that point. I remember we then all went out to dinner as a team, and we were at this like Irish bar in New York. And on the screen at the Irish bar was a Washington Nationals game. Is that the baseball team? Either if you guys watch baseball, Washington, yeah, yeah, the Nats. And behind home plate was a Terra Luna advertisement. It was like like you couldn't make this shit up amidst the collapse. And I'm like, oh my God, what is going on here? Like, this is so embarrassing for the Major League Baseball. Um, Of course, Major League Baseball also had an FTX thing there, but FTX was still safe at this point. This is still April. As the year goes on, we don't just see Luna collapse. We see three arrows capital go under, we see Celsius, we see Voyager, and the cherry on top of the cake that is, actually, it's not even the cherry, the massive collapse, of course, is FTX and Sam Bankman fried turning out not to be JP Morgan at crypto, but a complete total fucking fraud, um, and, and, and that's going to be proven. It's just going to be proven how much he actually did know and how bad of a person he actually was. And we don't need Brett Harrison's 49 tweet thread to say that. The U.S. government is going to tell us that through multiple agencies. Um, and we're going to find out what he really knows because everyone's going to turn witness against this guy. But then we also have now the whole Gemini, the Winklevoss twins, um, Gemini Earn, Genesis, and, 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 and DCG. That was the cherry on the cake uh, for the year. My point being after everything that happened in 2022 uh, two, sorry for the rant guys I'm getting to the point and then we can have discussion but after everything that happened in 2022 now coming into 2023 this feels fucking great. How can you not feel great about a little bit of a rally here? Everybody's popping their head up like spring. Um, All the crypto bros have a little hop in their step as they're walking down the street. People are back out there going to, you know, CES. Back out there chartering a a plane or two here because Bitcoin's back above 21,000. After everything we went through in 2022... Doesn't it feel damn good to have what's, uh, th- th- this rally in the market and, and, and give me your thoughts on that. And then two, what is it going to take for this to stretch a little bit longer? Or do you just believe this is just going to completely retrace and go back to like 16,000, 15,000 Bitcoin in the next couple of days?
1: I have a quick interjection before because that was something, I mean, again, feel free to cut this out. But I, at least for me, the big takeaway from your Luna story is it just gives absolute truth to something that I've always believed is that um, the Jews all receive warning calls before any major collapse in New York? <laughs> it was that it kind of echoed something I've been hearing online in my chat rooms for
0: I think that is the point Kanye was trying to make right? <laughs>
2: we've been we've been uh, beat down by the market uh, and uh, and I would say um it, it's hard to believe, like it's anything other than like a brief rally. I hope everybody who bought Solana at nine dollars is selling it now and and taking some profits or at least taking some. I, take take some profits if you can. Enjoy a little bit of green. I think enjoy it. Have fun with it. Don't expect it to stay. If it stays, I'll be thrilled. You know uh, that that billionaire who predicted Bitcoin hits a hundred thousand this year, three hundred thousand, whatever it's going to be, is it will, will be proven right. Hopefully,
1: would love that. Wait, would I? Uh, Ethereum would be nicer. Yeah. Whatever,
2: yeah. You're more Ethereum, more th- yeah. yeah. Look, I'd be thrilled. I, I hope it sticks around. Um, I'll be honest. Like, I, I'm not. I'm not at a point where I'm I'm pressing buy in any exchanges at the moment. I'm a little. I'm a little. Uh, Trigger scared <laughs> at the moment. Yep, um, with good reason. With I good think. reason, yeah, I think. That-
0: and, and, and everybody, everybody has a little PTSD. Like last year was a fucking crazy year. I mean, keep in mind most of the YouTube comments, most of the Twitter comments, in fact, most of the comments on like a lot of the content coughing crypto is putting out there is like, yo, crypto's dead, guys. Like pack it in, stop writing the newsletter, stop doing it. Uh, We know that not to be true, and even if you're right, Yale, the one thing I'd say on this, because I've thought about this, like, okay, how would I feel if, like, Bitcoin just, like, drops right now to, like, $11,000 or $10,000, and what this rally is is doing for me is it's like, listen— it's still going to be painful this year but like it's going to be back right this is not the time that it's going to be back it's not going to be back right now but like just so you guys know uh we're still and this is now me doing my bitcoin voice pretending like bitcoin's talking to me right i'm like i'm trying to personify bitcoin here but it's like jordan like jordan we're gonna go jordan we're gonna go away for a while but like i just wanted to show you one more time what we can do like what we're capable of all right peace we're out of here
2: Right? Like uh, can you can you yeah. tell me like where and when Bitcoin does talk to you?
1: Yeah, is Bitcoin in the room with you right now? By
2: the way, do you guys know like some people have like YouTube
0: channels dedicated to just like technical analysis around it? And us, and we're like.
2: <laughs> and the role of Bitcoin will be played by Jordan today, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> reprising
1: his Sunday matinee of Bitcoin.
2: Hey, the role of
0: Ethereum is played by Matt. The role of Solana is played by Yale, and Ripple is going to be played by Jordan Freed.
1: love an animated episode! Yale, yeah, get on
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about the market? Oh, I think a lot about the market.
1: <laughs> I think about the market every day. No, I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I think it's... But do
0: you? I mean, do you? Like, at what points of your day do you think about the market?
1: Probably about as much as you talk to Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm just like rocking back and forth on my heels. But no, I was like, I, again, it's, it's always been a volatile, ever-changing space. It's always destabilizing you know and we all have like again a pretty bad case of PTSD or as I call it pretty tight stories dude um, but then uh, there's a, um, like look it up and see right now look at like who's at the top a kid named Beast December 2022 like some new NFT look like tech techs like little gimp tech techs if you remember last our first episode feet picks. Feet picks. The number six seed on OpenSea. I think what all of these factors are indicating is my earlier diagnosis of we are entering D Gen season. A lot of people are like NFTs are never coming back. There's
0: also an NFT rally going on. We talked about feed picks on the first episode. So Matt, you're thinking that this is just validation that D Gen season is in fact upon us. Does this rally continue?
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean I I don't I think we're gonna see cracks. I think it's I honestly just based based on like again not to be lame not to be derivative ongoing FTX contagion like the market is just gonna bounce back and forth and then you know what I think maybe in time for spring it'll'll it'll truly degen season will come into full bloom
2: I will uh, yeah so Jordan I'm curious your take here because I know um you, you you talk to investors all the time you you talk you know a lot more traders and whatnot which none of us claim to be traders I think you're a trader <laughs> just fucking trader <laughs> to the cause a blood trader. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, none of us claim to be like day traders are or, or really experts in, in that way. Uh, is your thought process is the thought process of a lot of the pros still the bull like the, the bear market is, is still in some part instead. It still will be in some effect until 2024. Or do you think there's enough, enough signs here that there, there could be a sooner, not necessarily that we're in it right now, but that there could be a sooner. Bu- yeah, so I think everyone in crypto is waiting for
0: a couple things. And first, I mean, I think the consensus of most people in crypto, especially smart money that you talk to, is that crypto is still heavily dependent on the macroeconomic environment. So... a a slowdown in hawkish statements from the fed the consumer price index not printing like new all-time highs like the US dollar not like completely destabilizing and like being debased and us losing all of our purchasing power a lot of these things are things that crypto traders and investors are waiting for and they're the same things that affect the equities market, right? They're the same things that are affecting the bond market. They're the same things that are affecting other financial instruments out there. And people are people are risk-off. Like, we've seen that for the past, at least the last six months of 2022. People were just, like, risk-off all assets. Like, we don't want to hold risky assets. We're moving to cash. A lot of people that have flight to cash. We are now seeing... There are more smart people in and around the crypto periphery with cash on the side than ever before. So it's not going to take much for, I think, this thing to start inching higher. And I think what you saw here over the past couple of days is massive institutional buying. And when I say institutional buying, I mean just like clips of like $100 million to a $1 billion in Bitcoin just bought up out of the market. That is fine, supply is staying the same. The Bitcoin block reward is gonna have in the spring of 2024. We know that it halves every four years. And what that means is that the amount of new Bitcoin that's gonna enter circulation is literally gonna go 50%. It's gonna go from 6.25 to 3.125, which will be the block reward shared by all the miners. And if demand holds constant, like where it is right now, there's gonna be a fucking crazy supply crunch. So we have always seen historically, and we're like we're really entering the fourth cycle in crypto's history. But like we have always seen in the history of crypto, within six months before or six months after a having event, a crazy run up in Bitcoin price, right? Like the Bitcoin having event, and we saw like we saw 2017, right? Like large, large run up here, and um, we 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 are going to experience. That again in uh, 2020. We're looking at now 2024, which is, by the way, like 2024 sounds like it's far away, but like we're talking about 12, 13, 14 months from now. Like I think it's February, end of February, beginning of March 2024 that we're going to see this halving event. So, what are people waiting for? It's like this year, all time high this year, like for Bitcoin, I'd say in the 30,000s. Right, like I think it'll go to thirty-five thousand in just in calendar year twenty twenty-three. Read lots of retraces, lots of climb back ups. Like it'll be a, like a, one of those volatile years. New all-time highs in two. Like depending on macroeconomic situation, within two years of like the the next having event, I'd say within like maybe even eighteen months of that. Um, and for me, what I'm doing with it is I'm not trading. Like full disclosure, I'm not trading. I don't think you guys are actively out there trading. For me, I've just. I'm a hodler. I believe in it. I believe that I've got like this Bitcoin that I put away that is really, I don't even think it's for me. It's for like my kids and their kids and their grandkids. And it's just, I'm fortunate to have gotten it when I got it. And every time I've ever sold a Bitcoin, I've, Immediately regretted it. I sold Bitcoin like 8,000. I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. And I hated myself uh, For months 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 after
2: Um, and Bitcoin hated you too. Bitcoin told you all the time Every time he sells Bitcoin, he weeps Bitcoin yells at you and you do it, too, right? Exactly And then and then Bitcoin is uh,
0: and the bitcoins like really mean to me Uh, So and just like decides to run up because I always think it's because I sold it I'm like damn Bitcoin knows I sold and it's just punishing me right now Uh, so I, I don't, I don't do that. I, I hold instead and I, uh, I I think it's gonna be a crazy year, but like this, this relief rally is for those that were like completely capitulating. And there are some fucking people that sold their board apes at the bottom, sold their crypto punks at the bottom. I mean, I've seen the tweet threads. Like what should this guy just tweeted? What should I make my profile picture? Now I just sold my board ape. Like dude, your fucking face. (laughs) like just put your just put your face back up as your profile picture yeah
1: make it a leech because you're a fucking sucker
0: you waited for crypto to crash you waited for crypto to crash you literally sold your board ape at the bottom completely capitulated from the ape community for like not a good reason it's like shame yourself and go make it your face Okay, like th- that is that is what I wanted to say to this guy. I didn't say that because I try to be nicer on Twitter. I don't want to add to the the, the hate, but uh, that's what podcast I is listen. where
2: we get the wiggles out. Yeah, yeah, the podcast is where we're fueled by pure vitriol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, so, so at what point will you feel like you fucked up on your prediction of if Bitcoin hits thirty five thousand like in two weeks? Are you changing your prediction here? You're like, oh shit.
0: No, no, no. Because I think like I, it, it, at some point this year, I think we'll hit it. I think we easily could hit it. In, uh there's not a whole lot of resistance, like at least in the book, if you look at the book right now, like just the order book and what where are the blocks of people that are like waiting to sell it. Uh, there is, um, I think the, the new levels, we've got to beat are 20, 23, 24,000 US dollars in Bitcoin. And like, it wouldn't be surprising to see it Run up to 2324 break the resistance and then the orders disappear Because keep in mind all the shorts get wiped out at that point And the largest Shorters of Bitcoin a lot of people don't realize this but a lot of you know who the biggest shorters of Bitcoin is guys I think this will fucking blow your minds
2: yeah, God. I, I have no idea
0: It's the people behind Dungeons and Dragons No, I'm kidding. No, it's not. Uh, it's 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 it's, it's the, the answer surprises a lot of people. It's the fucking Bitcoin miners And it actually makes a lot of sense why they short Bitcoin. They take out these short positions on Bitcoin because they, uh, and they also pre-buy, they they play the energy market to get predictable um, costs. But imagine, like, you know you're going to make, call it a thousand Bitcoin this month. They borrow a thousand Bitcoin, basically taking a short position, they sell it for dollars, booking the profit that they're going to make for that month up front, but it applies this downward pressure. So when people say like these shorts are getting liquidated, it's, it's you know, at some point they're going to see massive liquidations. And we've seen there were a lot of people shorting Bitcoin uh, in that like 16, 17, 18,000 range, just fucking wiped out.
1: When I was in Mexico, my shorts got liquidated. Sorry, go on.
0: But, but ima- imagine if you if if you shorted Bitcoin at eighteen thousand, betting it was going to go down, meaning you borrowed a thousand Bitcoin, you sold it, you got to fucking buy Bitcoin back now at twenty one thousand three hundred to repay to repay that loan. You've you've lost you've lost a few thousand dollars per Bitcoin. That's painful for people. So at some point, people stop shorting it. At some point, people stop selling it. And this thing just runs up. So I don't think we see higher than thirty five thousand this year. But the other point I wanted to make is everyone in crypto is waiting for this period called the decoupling. Uh, And I don't want to get like too technical on this, but like, can, can we talk about the decoupling here for a second? And I don't mean I don't mean like Sam and Caroline
2: yeah 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 we 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 know what you mean by decoupling but you should tell the listener what you mean by decoupling we of course know (laughs) yeah
0: yeah i uh decoupling is referring to the point where bitcoin breaks away from like the macroeconomic trend if you look at bitcoin price and crypto prices it's perfectly correlated to equity prices and like the s p 500 and what the stock market's doing and the whole thinking is like people don't know how to value layer one protocols. They don't know how to value Bitcoin and they don't know how to value general purpose application networks like Solana, Ethereum, Avalanche, Hedera Hashgraph, like all of these other protocols. So because people don't know how to value them, Crypto is just largely correlated to like whatever the macro economic situation is at some point though that decouples like people are like fuck the government's printing so much money the only monetary policy that they know of is like to continue to print more money and where this takes us is like okay do people wake up and realize oh wow the way you value Bitcoin is totally different than the way you value stocks. In a business, like Bitcoin isn't valued at a function of future discounted cash flows. It's valued um as a function of network effects on the network and Metcalf's law and you know Bitcoin becomes proportionately more valuable, much like a telephone network, uh, proportionate to the number of people connected to the Bitcoin network. If it's only me, Matt, and Yale on the Bitcoin network, there's only four fucking people you can transact with. It's not a very valuable thing. But if 400 million people are connected to the Bitcoin network, there's a lot of people you can send Bitcoin to and you can buy shit from and go to El Salvador and buy like shoes from people on the street and shit like that. Uh, so using lightning network of course not 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 bitcoin proper uh, but that's a story for another day so my point is those two things right smart money waiting for what happens with the macro uh and then decoupling like i think a lot of the talk this year is like i think it's personally i think it's too soon for the decoupling to happen this year but man would it just feel fucking good for like the stock market to hold constant and bitcoin to just rip right because it's like we're 14 years in I don't know that we have enough history with Bitcoin for it to happen right now. At some point, it's inevitable. Bitcoin decouples, crypto decouples, uh, and it's treated as a totally separate asset class.
2: Yeah, you know, I know that Bitcoin feels very deeply undervalued by a lot of people. And I think that Brett Harrison actually also feels that way, that mm-hmm. Bitcoin and Brett Harrison have that in common.
0: I like how we've tied this final topic to the previous, the previous topic. Uh, reading that thread on here is going to be one of my favorite segments. Guys, we should do more reaction content. Okay.
2: Yeah, that was that was that was fun. I also think, um, personally, I uh, I would be worried about Bitcoin decoupling. I always get scared about people who are newly single. Would they do <laughs> something rash? They're volatile. They're volatile. It's volatile when you're newly <laughs> so single. So the Bitcoin decoupling. You don't want seems... Bitcoin to be a big slut. Nobody wants it. Like I like your divorced friends are kind of. Weird. I wouldn't, I don't have any divorce friends.
1: I I want Bitcoin to walk around campus with its hand in my back pocket so everyone knows that it's going good for us.
2: Jordan, does Bitcoin talk dirty to you when Bitcoin Bitcoin talks to you? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What does Bitcoin
1: say to you? Like, Jordan,
2: I just
0: on today's segment of Bitcoin Talk Dirty to Me, (laughs) here's a list of five things that Bitcoin said to me that got me very aroused.
1: That's for Coffee and Crypto After Dark when we're shirtless. Coffee and Crypto After Dark sounds (laughs) great.
0: Exactly. The late night edition where we're not drinking coffee. We're drinking booze. Are
2: you lonely
1: and financially
2: insecure?
1: (laughs) Are you not sure how to go through crypto? Call now.
2: Are you worried about the size of your investments?
1: We're going to be shooting web threes all over the camera. Well, that
0: is about it for uh, this episode of Coffee and Crypto. As always, if you've enjoyed... show. I don't see how you couldn't have enjoyed this show. We absolutely did Brett Harrison's thread. I actually think we made his thread better. I think Brett Harrison should comment on this video and thank us for how great we made his thread. We just enhanced the enjoyment of his thread. Uh, And if you did enjoy this, please like the video. Please uh, subscribe to this channel. Um, If you're watching it on YouTube, leave a comment, please. Uh, again, Coffee and Crypto is available wherever you get your podcast. And uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, we'd appreciate a review uh, also on this episode. Share it with friends. Uh, Coffee and Crypto is good for moms, I hear. Uh, moms love Coffee and Crypto. At least our mom does, Yale.
2: Yeah, and I would also say, uh, would everyone please stop gaslighting Brett Harrison? And also,
1: Brett Harrison, come on the pod. We arm wrestle now. Harrison v. Harrison in the octagon. I want that. And also, my mom won't listen to this.
0: I would feel uncomfortable with that. If Harrison came on the pod, that would be two Harrisons and two Freeds.
1: Then we'd be evenly matched. And we can't be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Must be to, you guys wouldn't maintain. be able to tie me down anymore. We must always maintain power. I powers. could start saying my inside thoughts. <laughs>
0: Matt Harrison, do you have a sibling we could bring on the pod? Also brought to you by nepotism?
1: I've got a little sister who uh, works okay. in gaming who quit extremely anti nft so I, she's uh, she would never come on this podcast for no matter let's money. do it let's do it uh, <laughs> yeah i can't even discuss what uh, but she doesn't like nfts legally That's uh, so funny. it's uh yeah, there's still some there were contracts signed about that oh, good. um but yeah uh, yeah i just have the one sibling not like you guys with eight Freeds from the roster that we can hand-select.
2: We could pick one of eight.
1: Get Jared on here to talk about his RuneScape experience and how you took advantage of him. That's smart. I'd I'd be interested to hear that. I'd like to hear that perspective. Um, But does that bring us to about the end? It brings us to the end. uh, Yeah,
0: exactly. I think... uh, Sad sad to see this end, but I've about run out of my coffee, which wasn't really coffee. I was drinking a protein shake in my coffee cup. That's it
2: for us. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode of Coffee and Crypto.
1: See you guys. Good night and good morning.